Reading from the Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their notes, their nets, and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You guys know anybody that if you want them to be on time, you got to tell them that something starts 15 minutes earlier than it really does. <laughs> I showed up one time to uh, this little program. I don't know if I should tell you where I was going around, but I was going to see my therapist. It's okay. Pastors need a therapist. Everybody needs a good therapist. I was going to talk with her about some things that I was working on when I was in the rentals program for church leadership. And uh, I got there 10 minutes early. And she said, you're early. <laughs> I expected her to say, well done. <laughs> right? Because somebody told me one time, if you're on time, you're what? Late. Yeah. But she wanted you there right on time. Like, I don't know, two dot dot zero zero or something. No seconds to spare, right on time. That's a frustrating thing dealing with time, isn't it? Have you had that experience lately where you're, because it's winter, there goes the toy. Yeah. Um, OCD kicked in. What was I talking about? <laughs> ADD, whatever. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had one of those? I just said, well, it's just gone. What are we going to do now? <laughs> okay. So it's winter and the bed feels good, right? And you don't quite want to go outside and start the car, warm it up. You don't want to go out and de ice your windshield yet. You're laying in the bed and you're hitting your alarm on your phone. Any of y'all do that? I need 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes. And then the next thing you know, you, you have two minutes to shower, cook breakfast, and drive to work. Everybody ever been there? It's tough, isn't it? Managing time is hard. And this thing that Jesus says about the fullness of time, we don't want to, the time is fulfilled. We don't want to just easily dismiss that. We can't walk through this text and say, well, big deal. Jesus showed up, said some stuff, called some people. You got to tell that part of the story. Mark is just getting the story kicked off. We could approach this text like that, but we would miss some really important things. Like the idea of time being fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. The time is now. The time is right. These people had been expecting and waiting for the kingdom of God to come on earth their entire existence as a people. They had been waiting for the full reign of God to come on them forever, but they had also been working against it as they struggled with sin 
and the burden of death. With the way that sin transforms us to want us to long to be able to be our own speakers, to be able to be our own controllers, to be able to be the ones who voice who we are and what we will be and to make our own decisions about everything in our life. But God calls us to something different, to a reign. Kingdom is a weird word for us because we start thinking about Disney princesses and all that stuff. And, you know, I'll give you half of my kingdom if you let my kid marry your daughter and all that kind of thing that we see in all those movies, right? The kingdom here is more the idea of the reign of the king, the dominion of a king, not the geographical boundaries, not the acreage that a king owns, but the reign of a king. And Jesus is saying to these people who will hear him, the reign of God has come. Because he was standing there. It's easy to just overlook and drive by and want to get to the crucifixion and the resurrection and the rest of the meaty parts of the story. But all of those derive their meaning from God being present in Jesus beside this lake. The reign of God had penetrated the earth. What Paul calls the realm of sin and death. Wow, that's a big deal, isn't it? We've been waiting on a king to come and save us from our mire and our muck. And here he is standing on the side of the Sea of Galilee. What's he going to do next? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. You can reach out and touch it because... Honestly, they're sitting there looking at him within a voice throw away. The kingdom of God is standing in front of them. And its name is Jesus of Nazareth. You know, we speak about God, Jesus having revealed God to us. Um, the book of Hebrews really talks about that extensively. And one of the things that Jesus revealed to us is that God is three in one, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the second person of the Trinity, we call the first person Father, the second the Son, the third the Holy Spirit in orders of how they begat one another, not necessarily in orders of importance, because they're all co-equal, St. Athanasius taught us. Three persons, one being, that's hard math. But it's what is revealed through Jesus, especially when Jesus kneels in prayer and prays to the Father and says, you and I are one. And the church wrestled, what world does that mean? And we came up with that complex man. Three persons, one being the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on this day, the Son, the Word made flesh, as John's Gospel tells us, walked down to the side of a lake. To announce that the gospel of God was taking place. That the good news of God was present. That God is here with his people. Gospel means glad tidings. Remember, behold, I bring you glad tidings, the angel said when Jesus was born. The good news starts not just at the cross and the resurrection, but when Jesus is born and when Jesus walks to the lake. And every time Jesus does something, there's a ripple of the good news. That washes over us. The kingdom of God has come, he says. Believe the gospel. Repent. What does that mean, repent? Well, it doesn't mean say you're sorry, although that's probably important. Because until we bear the, the burden of the guilt of the things that we've done wrong, we can't very well ask for forgiveness, can we? 
And until we can ask for forgiveness, it's very hard for us to lay down our guilt. So repentance works for us as a way of turning our sight from who we are and what we've done and turning our eyes instead to God. So Jesus, the Son of God, walks down to the side of a lake and announces the good news that you can now turn your eyes from your past and your sinful brokenness and turn it to the goodness of God because God is good. All the time. Even when he showed up at the side of a lake in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. What do you think, church? I say yes. So surely we can't brush over this story as just Mark getting some disciples behind Jesus. There's more here than that. And as I kept looking this week, what I notice is that everywhere in this story, God is making the first move. Remember when you started dating somebody new when you were a kid? For some of y'all, that's more recent than for others. You're always waiting on that one who's going to make the first move for the first kiss, right? Who's it going to be? Because you don't want to be the one that gets rejected. If it's going to be rejection, you want to be the one rejected. Charlie's in agreement with that. He said, yes, sir. And then, you know, you reach that point where you're ready to say, I love you. And you just, you know, you want to know, do I, do I want to be first or do I want to be the one putting a two on the end of that? Because again, we don't want the rejection. But here comes God making the first move for us with no rejection in hand. Having become one of us, having stooped down into our muck and mire, submitted to our baptism, gone out into the desert and faced every temptation that we face. And now he comes to announce that the reign of God is unchallenged in his presence. To extend us a hand as a first move, saying, I love you. Follow me. What will he receive from you? Will he receive rejection or will you leave your nets and go? That's what we're aiming at today. God makes the first move here. Jesus came at the right time. He invites them to follow him. Well, that's not exactly right. It's more of a command or an exhortation. If you've been waiting for the reign of God, it's here. Come. It wasn't just a, hey, y'all want to go with us? This was more of a, be there, be square kind of thing. It's an ultimate moment. It is a decisive moment. And that's why Jesus, when he says time, he uses the word kairos. Kairos is a Greek word for time, and so is chronos. Chronos is where we get chronology from. But kairos is a different kind of time. Kairos is significant time. It's the kind of time that we're talking about when we say the moment of truth is at hand. It's the kind of time that we're talking about when we're talking about a decisive moment that determined what would be our past and what would be our future. We have those in our lives, right? These moments that we can look back on and we can see I did this and my life went this way. And we wonder sometimes with regret, what would have been if I had taken the other fork in that road? Jesus comes for the same purpose. To make a demarcation between our past and our future. 
the what we have been and the what we can be, the who we are and the who we will be. And he comes and says, you will become something different. There's a word, word pun here that's very important. They were fishers and he said, you will become fishers of men. But the fishers of men isn't necessarily a destination for all of us in this story. It's the destination for these people. But inherent in this for us to understand, if we answer his invitation to us today to come, no wait, if we answer his command to us today to come and follow him, we will begin to be different. We will become something else and it will be for the purpose of loving God and loving our neighbor for we will be changed to be like Jesus, to be good. Not to be people who are mired in the muck of sin and death, but to be people who are enthralled in the dance of love and life. Because he came down to the side of the lake and said, come. Because he came here to the sanctuary and said, come. Because he came to your workplace or to your home, to your bedroom, to your living room, to your grandmother's house, to that old church that you used to go to, to your friend's house, to your Bible study in college or wherever it was that he first made an appearance in your life and revealed to you that he loved you and desired for you to follow him. Wherever that was, that place is a marker in your life between who you were and who you can and will be. And that, dear ones, is a BFD. Big flipping deal. It matters. And we shouldn't brush over a text like this and say, oh, Mark's just trying to get us to that point where Jesus has a posse to ride out of town with. There's so much more happening here. Even if we were to start to play with the metaphor of the nets here, I read one blog of a Catholic priest who said the nets represent all those things that are constantly deteriorating and breaking down in our lives and that struggle that we have to upkeep our life when instead we can live in peace that there's a God and good who will keep our life for us. That's pretty powerful for me. I want to lay down those other nets and take up a different net. But it's not exactly what I think is going on here. I think more what's going on here is Jesus saying, I will change how you understand everything you do. And I will use your skills in new ways for the purposes of spreading the good news of the reign of God. To spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. That God has come to us. That we no longer have to struggle and strive to attain God. We no longer have to build ourselves up and perfect ourselves. That there is a God who is going to transform us into being who he wants us to be. And that that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And that person holds out a hand to you today to say, I will change you. I will change you. You will become something new. And I got to thinking about those nets and it suddenly occurred to me that what Jesus was calling them to be was fibers in a net that he was building. Can you see that? Jesus was building a net. When Jesus started calling those first disciples, he was building a net that he intended to cast over the whole region of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and all of those places that he traveled. Jesus drew behind him. The image of a people who had been woven together into the reign of God. Something that the people could see before them to see what it was that God was doing. Building something and making something new. A kingdom. A people of 
Christ. So as the metaphor might go, I might would say that you are being woven into a net that we call the church, which Christ intends to cast over the whole world. But there's a, there's a problem with that analogy because it puts the work on our shoulders. So what we remember then is that Christ is making that first move for us. Calling us, changing us, transforming us, and using us to call other people. And in that way, we become fishers of men. Not people who trick somebody with a little bit of bait or a lure, but a net that's being cast over the whole world. A net of love and life. A net of people whose lives have been changed by answering the call of this Jesus from Galilee. He calls you, saying, come, follow me. What is your response? Will you leave behind your nets and be knit into the net that he's building to join him in his mission and his purpose? To receive his life in yourself, to be transformed into the goodness of God, to reflect the glory of God in the world? Or will you reject his call? Choice is yours. I can't make it for you. But I can tell you that it is a defining moment in your life. A moment that marks the beginning of your past and the brightest hope for your future. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.